Welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast with Don and Suzanne Manning. Parents, what if we could give you the power to transform your family into something absolutely amazing? A family where everyone is healthy, gets along, loves Jesus, and has great purpose in life. Hey, let us flip your thinking to unlock the power God has given you to create your own Crazy Cool Family. Hey, parents, welcome to the Crazy Cool Family Podcast. This is our last episode for 2020. Wrapping up the year. We are all happy about that. (laughs) So it doesn't mean we're wrapping up at all. We're going to go on to 2021 with new and exciting things in our podcast. Oh, we're so excited about, we're so excited about January 2021, but that's not what we're talking about right now, right. right? We are wrapping up our series, Introducing Our Kids to the Real Jesus. I We just see Jesus is everywhere right now during, uh, you know, the every church you drive by or whatever, a lot of manger scenes, a lot of things going on out there. I have at least a hundred in my home, (laughs) just, just me alone. But what? (laughs) So maybe I just see a bunch of, I don't know about you guys, but you guys need some manger scenes out there. (laughs) Yeah, we got plenty over here for sure. Um, You know, but what a great month to talk to your kids about the real Jesus. And it's not just about that baby. It is about so many things and we've been introducing, Right, we're on the fifth, we've introduced four other concepts. You know? So yeah, we've talked about who is Jesus and that he's a real person. What has he done for you? He gives us identity. He tells us who we are and where we belong. Yeah. I mean, and then we talked, then Suzanne and Macy did a, a great little podcast on uh, where is Jesus? He's in my heart as my friend and talking mm-hmm. about that relationship with Jesus. And then last week we talked about why follow Jesus, that he's life-giving and he gives us hope. And so if you haven't listened to those, we really encourage you to go back. And today... Because those build on today's. Yes. And today's is how is Jesus better than the world? And I just think that our kids get who he is. They get they even get what he's done for us. They get where he is. You can, you can literally de- define, describe where he is. You can tell them why to follow Jesus. But where their question is, is how is he better than the world? Right. How is he better than the world? Because the deal is, is they choose. There's there's a choice. Do I choose the way Jesus would do it or do I choose the way the world would do it? And let's face it, parents, the world's getting louder and louder. Oh, so, so loud. And ultimately, you know, Suzanne and I were thinking about this as we looked at this whole thing that we did in December. We said, you know, because right now all of our kids follow Jesus. All seven of them follow Jesus at a at a pretty high level. Actually, we're we're still working on the eighth grader. You know, he, exactly. He, he is he in middle is, school. He is a, he is a, you know what? Well, if you're there, He's you know what that means. He's just trying to figure out, yeah. you know, what he believes. It's yeah. a great transition in that middle school ages. Yeah. Those of you that are there, we're praying with well, you. As I'm hoping you're praying with us as well. But one of the things we thought about as we were thinking about all the, you know, over time, we had many many conversations with our kids about. Why is it better to follow Jesus? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that we did was we, one of the big scriptures in our house was John 10, 10. And John 10, 10 says, the thief, the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. I just love it because it just creates the contrast. It creates that this is what the world does. This is what the thief provides. He's, he, he teaches us to kill, steal, and destroy. And then Jesus, total opposite, says, I have life for you and I have it abundantly. The opposite of steal, kill, and destroy. 
And I just like, how is Jesus better than the world? Well, he's the answer. He's the answer to all of life's issues. He's the answer. He's the direction. He's the compass. He's what tells us where to go, how to go, when to go, because it says, because we, he gives us life and he gives it to us abundantly. And, And what happens is as we start to tell our kids more about Jesus and they start to understand about heaven and about the way of life of Jesus, you know, Paul even says that we are foreigners in a strange land, yeah. but yet it doesn't mean that the world itself, there's many things that the world has that we will participate in. So the world itself, it, it's, it's fighting for our kids' attention, but it's, but you know, what is the world? Let's talk about just for a minute, as we look at the different, uh, you know, the world also has answers to life's issues but they are different answers. And so, well, and I think, I mean, just to bring this into it too, just know that the, this strange land is run by a dark ruler. One John, first John, one John, <laughs> first John five nineteen. we know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And so that's where the contrast lies. If we keep our eyes on the Lord or we keep our eyes on the world, then that's where you're going to see a difference. And so that's what we're going to talk about a little bit today. What is the world? What is this? What is this world? This, this, this place that we live in that's run by a dark ruler. Because the world itself is not sports, for example. The world itself is not music or school or work. That, that is, it's not what we mean when we say that's the world. That is part of the world. It's not like we want to separate. It's not like school is bad and church is good. That's not what we're saying at all. It's a belief system the world has. It's the, the world's answers to life's issues are, for example, the world says instant gratification is best, mm-hmm. that we need to be satisfied right now, that the, um, we need to be able to get whatever we want, whenever we want. Right away. Think microwave yeah. <laughs> versus crockpot. <laughs> the world, and this is so prevalent now in our society, that the world says what matters is how I feel about something, not what is right Mm -hmm. and not what what God's ways are. Because Mm -hmm. if I feel this way about myself, then I need to be coddled. I need to be nurtured. I need to be let go or whatever in that way. I feel regardless of the standard and the, and the, the, the best way of life that God gives us. You see that in the victim mentality, you know, that if someone who's acting like a victim, then they are all about feeling taken advantage of feeling, not taken care of. Yeah. The world says that they get to define who we are, that others Mm -hmm. and society gets to define, not our creator. See, that's a different billboard, social media, all those things, the ads that they, the commercials, coaches, teachers, friends define who we are. Yeah, the world says that that we are to be judged by how we perform and that that should if so that, good. that school or basketball or music should become our idol and that's not even counting the things that are negative in the world. It's not counting the things like pornography or drugs <laughs> or right. things that really are evil in the world. Right. These are things that are neutral of the world, but we can make them, they can, when we put our hope in them, they can make us, um, abide by the world's philosophies. And well, so, and what, it, what happens is if we take these things that you're talking about, grades, sports, music, whatever that is, we can make them into idols and put our worth into them. And they're now what defines us instead of it's something that we do, that we enjoy, that we actually use God's gifts and talents to 
bless him and honor him and praise him through those things that he gave us. Instead, if we do it like the world says, do you see the difference between the two? You've got the world, you've got Jesus. If we do it like the world says, then it defines us. I'm a straight A student. I'm the quarterback of the football team. I'm. And it may be that that person that your, your child does become quarterback of the football team, but that's not, doesn't define who he or, he or she is. I guess she can be a quarterback too. But, um, so, but, um, well, and I mean, and then just to press back into that again, they are the quarterback because God put them there for such a time as this to be the leader of the team to, to, I mean, he's got a plan and a purpose. It goes back to he's, he's the one that's in charge. That's why he's better than the world. That's why if you, if you are the quarterback, then it's because God puts you there because he's best. He right. wants what's best. Well, and so let's kind of come back and summarize a little bit. What we're trying to show our kids is that the way Jesus's plan for our lives and Jesus is, um, why is Jesus better than the world? Because his answer to life's issues is better than the world's answer mm-hmm. to life issues. It's not about, and that, what well, it impacts though, as we start to, is that starts to infiltrate our minds and our hearts as parents. And as we start to talk about it with our kids it starts to impact not only first it impacts what we choose to do, whether that be what sport we choose to have our kid play or how we approach grades or whatever, what we're going to do about going to church or whatever it is, the way we do. And then when we choose those things, it also impacts how we're going to uh, relate. I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm losing my words here. It affects how we're going to implement those things in our lives. Exactly. And so as we were, Don and I were talking about, talking about the podcast, Michael, our son came to mind when he was in high school and he chose to, um, he, he chose to see that Jesus is better than what the world had to offer. And the world had, had to offer him a bunch of great things, a, a, a school and a platform. And he was on the varsity football team at a young age and he had had a bunch of different things going for him, but he realized that when he was focusing on those things, then he was not able to pay attention to the Lord, that he was not able to follow Jesus, that he couldn't spend the time there. And he realized then that Jesus was better than what the world had to offer for him in that season. And so that's what we're trying to talk about is when Jesus is the answer, like Don said, he comes in and he filters he shows you the choices. He shows you the places to go and the things to do with your time and energy here on this earth. And it comes out so much in Galatians 5, um, 19 through 23. There's this, there's this incredible contrast that Paul does that shows the ways of the world and the ways of our enemy and the results of that life versus the what we commonly know as the fruit of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so let's just read through that. The acts of the flesh, the acts of the world, and when when we are buying into the world's philosophy, the outcome of that is going to be, it says they are obvious, and that is sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy. Doesn't this list just sound horrible? Um, Fits of rage, selfish ambition. Notice it's not all sexual. It's not just sexual. It starts and ends sexually, but... It's all about our attitudes and about our, our, um, our, the way we're living with others, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But 
the fruit of the Spirit. What Jesus offers is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So I just, you think, you take all those words and it's a whole bunch of descriptive words. And and when you hear the words of the flesh, it makes me sick. I mean, does it make you a little bit sick? It doesn't make me feel good. And then you hear the words that what Jesus brings, the fruit of the spirit. And and there's just this lightness, there's this flow. And so what we did is we kind of contrast the two. We lined them up a little bit. And when the world brings hatred, which has been happening a lot in our world, right now with just everything that's happening with politics and and all the rules and and the the COVID, just all the different things. When we bring hatred, hatred, Jesus's answer to the issue of hatred is love. That's his, that's what he brings to the table. He says, "This is this is your answer." Okay, you have a you have a cold, then take this. You know, you have the chicken pox, then do this. If you you know you have a headache, take this. You're cold, use a blanket. You know, take a warm. His that's this is his answer to it. Hatred is love. Sin, sorrow, anxiety, depression. Our world is just wrapped up in those things. Absolutely wrapped up. And you want to know what Jesus gives us? He gives us joy. Joy is the antidote to anxiety and depression. Joy is what lifts you out of sorrow. And joy is what points you away from sin. It points you, you want to go toward joy and away from what God, what the, the enemy calls you to do. Yeah, you got discord in your home. You got a lot of fighting and bickering. So much of what, when we pursue the world's things, it causes such discord. God's answer is peace. Yes. He said, if you'll pursue it my way, I'll give you peace. And so, you know, supernaturally, I feel that that's the thing I feel the most from the Lord is peace in situations. So many times when something comes up there, there, and I feel anxious or stressful, there's just this blanket of peace that will come over me. God answers the issues to my life with this, this overwhelming supernatural feeling of peace. Yeah. You got, you know, if you're having... Fits of rage. I know that doesn't happen to you guys, but sometimes we all have our fits of rage. God says that he's going to give you patience. If you got, you know, selfish ambition, you know, so often we are rewarding selfish ambition in our society. God says, I'm going to give you kindness to others. Yeah. I was just thinking the other day that there was a a lady that uh, we were, we were all standing in line and we were all social distance. So we all had plenty of space. Well, so she just walks up right in front of another lady and the, the lady looked at her for just a minute and then she goes, that's fine if you stay there. But she could have said, get out of the way. You're in my way. I'm in a hurry, you know, but she showed kindness. She showed Jesus's answer. Yeah, and so often, um, you know, we're, we see dissension. It talks about dissensions and factions. You know, we see um, so much conflict and so much uh, hatred. You know, God says, let's bring goodness mm-hmm. into the situation. I mm-hmm. want to show you goodness. Um, instead of idolatry, let's have faithfulness in God. Let's, let's not put our uh, worth in things of the world, but let's put our worth in the things of God through faith. Instead of envy, let's be gentle with one another. And instead of the things that come, you know, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, all those things. What about self-control? 
Yeah. That uh, you see the contrast that that there is such a contrast between the things that the world. It's not the world we're talking about. It's not, and we're going to talk about a couple of examples, but um, just to get you some uh, some thoughts. But really, just think about that contrast and what is the fruit of what you're doing. First of all, what you're choosing to do, just like with Michael, he chose a different path because the busyness of the world had gotten him and was distracting him from the things of God. Mm -hmm. So now that doesn't mean that everyone should make that choice. But for him, we prayed about it. That was the best choice. And it wound up being an excellent two years of his life as he went another path. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are those choices you're making to do with your family and with your kids? And how are you hearing the Lord with that? And then once you choose it, what are you doing to make those things bring about the fruit of the spirit in the lives of in your life and in the lives of your children? Yeah, because I just you just got to go back to the question, how is Jesus better than the world? He's better than the world because he with him comes love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That is why he's better than the world. So like, let's take a couple of questions with that. You know, some questions parents ask a lot. Like, should my child eat candy? And you think that's a silly question. What are you doing? We're talking about whether Jesus is better in the world or not. But you know what? How many parents, how often do you fight over whether that kid's going to eat that piece of candy or not, whether they're going to eat ice cream? Because you know they'd all rather have a candy bar for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Or lunch and dinner. And And our society is is more and more about fast food and sugar and all the things. And we, well, they're and you very even, smart to put all those candy bars right there as the checkout, you know, as though you've just finished the grocery yes, store running, and you're done and you're like, Oh my gosh, yes, just eat it. Yes. Yes. And then you feel guilty about, it, you know, <laughs> so we have parents that either, you know, feeling guilty because they're, everybody else gets to eat candy and they're making their kids eat healthy or, you know, they, they feel like that there's a lot of conflict over it and things like that. So how do we, you know, how do, we bring uh, Jesus is better in the world into candy so the way I look at it is that you know they they candy is I mean it's yummy it's delicious but reality is it's not good for you it's empty nutrition it's sugar addicting fruit on the other hand let's just do the contrast not that candy is evil (laughs) please (laughs) candy represents the world and fruit represents Jesus I'm not it's not necessarily what we're saying what we're saying is that Fruit is a great, colorful, taste good, good for you, add nutrients to your body. It's satisfying. It is a very good replacement for candy. And so just for example, I went on a sugar cleanse a while ago and all the pro- got all the processed sugar out of my system. And then when I started to eat regular fruit, it was way too sweet. You mean regular candy? Re- no, no. When I was starting to eat regular fruit, the fruit itself was way too oh, sweet. So you got rid of fruit too because, with your sugar cleanse. Be- because I got rid of all the processed sugar in my body. And so when all that was gone, then what God had given us, the fruit, taste and see that it is good it was good. It was sweet because this is what happens with the world. We get so numb to what the world gives us. We get so numb to the sweet things and the, 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 the good things, if you will, from the world. We get so burned out from the sporting events or we get so stressed out by trying to um, work hard and do something um, that, that's, that's beyond what God has asked us to do. And it's outside of that. 
And so what we do here in this situation is, first of all, we educate our kids on candy and we let them know, okay, you can't have a regular diet of it. It's a once in a while thing. And that's what we did with our kids. Yes, every once in a while you can, yes, by all means, let's have a piece of candy. Let's celebrate. Let's thank God for the goodness of life. But when you indulge, when we indulge in too much candy, then what the good thing that God has for us, the fruit, the sweetness of the fruit doesn't even taste sweet anymore. The, the, the good things that God has for us do not feel like they're good because we're waiting, not waiting, <laughs> waiting in the things of this world. And so that's why, you know, we go back to how is Jesus better than the world? He's got a plan and a purpose. And what is Galatians 5? It talks about self-control. It ends with self-control. And so part of of it is teaching our kids about self-control and and not making the ways of the world a way of life. Um, And so I hope that helps parents to get a a feel for how to take an issue. What about another one like, um, let's take grades, for example. You know, so often grades are such a thing. And, you know, is school, school is a good thing because our kids need to learn. They need to be educated. We're so grateful that we have a good education system in this country. But yet, so often with there's this competition for grades and we are pushing our kids or if, and, and so often we see so much conflict with parents about, oh, my kid won't study or they will not be, you know, they won't handle their own grades and things like that. So um, how do you handle grades and, and to show your kids that through grades that Jesus is better in the world? Well, I mean, I, I think that, one of the best ways to do that is that when they make a good grade, give Jesus credit for it. Oh my goodness, God gave you your brain and he, he helped you with that. And he helped you recall the answers to the, in, in, on your homework and on your tests and stuff. And so that's one of the best ways to pull, pull Jesus into the whole grade thing. But another thing is just to understand your child. And you might have one child who's bent toward math and he does excellent and doesn't even have to try and he's great at it, but you might have another child who struggles with math. And so for for us as parents to push that child who really struggles in math to make an A in there creates an animosity, stress. It puts a, a, a break in the relationship because the child wants to wants your approval, wants to perform for you. And so that's how that's how you see okay, grades, yes, good grades are good. We need to work toward good grades. We need to do that. But where is God in it? What's what's Jesus saying? How is with this child in this in this class with this teacher in this time, a B is the best, most perfect grade that this child's going to get. Yeah, and and where are grades in the whole grand scheme of things? So often we we get so enamored with grades with our kids that we uh, we do it at the expense of the relationship. And we're not reading our kids. We're not figuring out where they are. You know, we've had kids that were top 10% in their class. And we've had other kids that we did not, I mean, and, and we didn't push that way because it would have really caused relational issues. And, and realize, parents, that you are presenting to your kids a way of the world. You're presenting a way of the world to them. And so when you are listening to them, when you are pursuing them and figuring out what's best for them, whether that math class is best for them and how they're going to approach that, you're connecting with them relationally. You're showing them 
Jesus is better than the world. You're showing them love. You're showing them patience. You're showing them, you know, let's Mm -hmm. say, for example, you've got a kid that is struggling to turn his work in. And so what do we do with that? We start to pound them. We start to, you know, remind them all the time and yell at them and, and, and berate them instead of helping them to, you know, connect with them relationally so that we can help them develop the system that's going to help teach them how to overcome that and a total different way of life. And so when that child sees us working with them to develop that, they say, hey, my parents are showing me a way that's better than the world because everybody else is, I, I don't know how often... You know, our kids come home and say, you know, I'm so glad you guys don't treat us like other parents treat them Mm -hmm. because we don't like the way we see the world's parents doing. We like the way we see our parents uh, treating us with relationship and building a culture in our home. Yeah. And so the reality is the world just dishes out just a lot of yuck, but Jesus has life-giving answers to every issue the world produces. And as parents, we stand in that role as Jesus to our kids a lot. We're the tangible um, response. You know, if they're, if they can't hear Jesus yet, if they're not praying to Jesus, if they don't quite have a relationship with Jesus yet, then how we respond, if we are responding with love, joy, peace, patience, then we're the first example of how Jesus is going to respond to their issues. If we respond with fits of rage, with hatred, with discord, then they're going to think that that's the norm and that's the way that they need to choose. And what we're saying is, no, 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 don't choose that way. That's the world. That's the contrast. That's the kill, still and destroy side. We want the life, life given abundantly side. That's the part of the contrast side we want to be on. Yeah. Wrapping up this part, we want to give you one little bonus here at the end. But um, James 117 just says, every good thing is from God above. Mm-hmm. That everything, and, and, that, and if you can just remember that scripture and tell him, hey, this is a good thing and it's coming from God and we're going to give him credit for it and we're going to, we're going to be people that exhibit the patience. We're going to exhibit the love of God. We're going to exhibit joy because we're going to follow the ways of God because he truly is better than better than the world um so as we wrap up just a little bonus as we as we go um, well yeah i mean so definitely a bonus i i think it would be um irresponsible of us to go through the whole series about jesus who is jesus what has he done where is he why follow him and now how is he better than the world and not empower and equip you guys to lead your kids to salvation. It's if, if it's, if it, if you haven't already done that with them, now is a great time. After listening to all of these podcasts this month, you're equipped. You're equipped with who, what, where, when, how Jesus is the most important person for them. And so you, 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 um, you want to have Jesus on your side. You want to, you want them to see him as the most important person in their lives, to believe that Jesus is real and that for them to have a life beyond what this life has to offer. So what age, as we talk about this and talk about boldly asking your kids, do you believe in Jesus? What ages are we talking about in your opinion? I would ask Sebastian and he's one and doesn't talk. (laughs) I mean, seriously, this is, I mean, and so 
I'm usually happy-go-lucky, Suzanne, but this is serious. This this is eternity that we're talking about. This is not, and it's not, it's not future, it's present, it's right now. I believe that one-year-olds can have the peace of Jesus, you know, and then that just rolls into two-year-olds, three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. And so I don't know, however old your child is, say, do you believe in Jesus? Would you like to ask Jesus to come into your life? To, to live inside your heart. I mean, all your children. I mean, maybe don't talk like they're preschooler if they're 13. <laughs> um, but yeah. And it really is just a simple prayer. And, and the reason I ask the question is because a lot of people do ask, when do I start to talk to my kids about Jesus? Overall, I mean, so when they're one, we can talk to them. I mean, our daughters are talking to their kids about Jesus all the time and, and how we believe in Jesus. And, and they, it may just be the kid knows the word Jesus and he knows it's a good thing. That may be it, but. Oh but, yes. Jesus loves you. Did you know that Jesus, I mean, I've got, like I said, dozens of baby Jesuses. And so I'll show Sebastian, this is baby Jesus. He came to the world. He died for you. Right. We'll talk about that at Easter. <laughs> <laughs> But as they get older, you're talking about them in more depth. The things like, Jesus, will you come please and live inside me forever? I don't want to be in charge of my life anymore, Jesus. You're a way better boss. Mm -hmm. Will you please forgive me for doing wrong, bad things and give me the wisdom to do things that are in line with the fruit of the Spirit that bring about the love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, and things? It's so simple, parents. I think that we get we get caught up in our heads that there's got to be this elaborate plan, a prayer for salvation, and it's not. It's a question to ask Jesus to come in. It's 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 um, sacrifice. It's it's, it's um, laying. It's asking for forgiveness. It's repentance. It's simple things like that, and it's and it's just it's surrender. I mean, that's it's so simple. It's yeah. I'm, I'm like all over the place because I'm just well, so excited. But and we talked about last week about how bringing Jesus in and sitting in a chair of their heart with them, right? So that they understand that there's someone with them. It's you know when we follow the ways of Jesus. In effect, we are choosing to partner with the creator of the universe to move forward in life in a different way, mm -hmm. in a way that's going to be best for us. And so, um, and when kids become aware of the presence of God, literally, and again, it may be at four, it may be at 14. Well, and I'm even talking about though, let's say that you do this prayer with your child. As you sit down and you say this prayer, then start paying attention because some kids feel God's presence come over them right there. And it's such a sweet thing. And it's so fun to hear them describe it. Mommy, mommy, I felt warm all over my body. Or I felt, I felt cool, mommy. Or I felt, um, so happy or I saw a bright light. I've just heard so many different things about how God's presence will come in. Sometimes kids are not aware of his presence um, right then, right as you said the prayer, but something will come over them like they'll want to hit their brother or sister and then they won't want to anymore. Like the, an act of the flesh will come in and, and then a sweet spirit will come over. And that is so sweet too. I've seen them run in, mommy, mommy, I didn't, I didn't hit my brother. I wanted to and I didn't, you know, and then they, you point out, oh, that's because you invited Jesus into your heart and he lives here now and Jesus doesn't want to hit your brother. Um, so just things like that. And some kids might not notice a change at all. And so parents, we need to be alert. We need to pay attention and we need to point out the things of God in their lives so that they can be aware of it. Did you notice that you got out of bed this morning without throwing a fit? 
You know why? Because Jesus lives inside you and Jesus loves getting up in the morning. Just, just things like that. And so just to wrap it up. Well, let's go back where we started in five weeks ago in that having conversations with your kids frequently, introducing them to the real Jesus, telling them he's a real person, telling them he gives us identity, telling us how he is in our heart as a friend. He's a life-giving person that gives us hope, and he is is better than the world. Mm-hmm. Those are just, and I, I think that what we hope you've gotten out of this is not to have a crash course on introducing your kid to the real Jesus. We do want you to ask them about their belief in Jesus, but this is going to happen if your kid's four. This is the next 15 years that you're having these conversations as they come up, that you're introducing your child to the real Jesus. We just did it at Christmas because it's a great time to introduce it to you, but we want to instill in you a way of life that you're doing with your kids. I'm so glad you brought that up because that is so true because the real Jesus changes as our children develop and get older as they mature the real Jesus has more input into their lives he's got more direction he starts having a plan and a purpose for them and so the real Jesus even for our 30 year old daughter the real Jesus looks Mm -hmm. very different the real Jesus is helping her in her marriage and being a parent and so yes introducing your children to the real Jesus is every day so as we wrap up 2020 Hopefully you've had a great holiday season, probably a little bit different than most have been uh, as we've uh, navigated the events of 2020 uh, and the holiday season in that. But we hope that you have listened to these podcasts again. If you haven't, go back and listen to them or listen to them again, because it's, it, it's putting in you, it's dripping in you this way of life of introducing the real Jesus to your kids. And we just want you to know that we're praying for you. We have just covered this whole podcast series in prayer, and we are believing with you for great salvation among all of the kids of our crazy cool family, uh, uh, crazy cool families. And that the even it, with salvation, if they believe in Jesus, but they're going to take Jesus to the next level and they're going to understand who he is. They're going to understand what Jesus does for them. They're going to, uh, they're going to invite him in at a new level. So just know that we're believing that with you and for you. And then we just invite you to hop on our social media, on our um, crazy cool family um, Facebook page or on our Instagram and share with us, you know, your either your salvation stories or maybe how your kids responded or what their answer. Oh, that will be the best one. If you answer, who is Jesus? That's going to be so fun to hear what your kids have to say about that. So we just invite you to come interact with us. Yep. Blessings to your parents. And we'll see you next time. Go be crazy, parents. Crazy with introducing your kids to Jesus. CrazyCoolFamily.com.